Well, last weekend I was uh, at Isle Royale. Anybody been to Isle Royale up in Lake Superior? <clears throat> well, just one week gone. Okay, none of you have. You must go. <laughs> <laughs> one week gone and coming back and worshiping and man, I just I love it. When I'm gone, even a week, I come back and I'm refreshed. I hope you're refreshed too as we sing worship and praise to the Lord. Good weekend. I think one of the best Memorial Day weekend weather-wise that we've had. So uh, anyway, life is grand. That's all I have to say. Um, if you've been with us since uh, the week after Easter, uh, you have been introduced to a young man named Ethan Goodwin. Uh, he is a fictitious character, actually, a created character. And um, over the weeks, uh, a young lady in our church, junior in high school, actually, goes to Valder's. Uh, she is a great communicator, and her name is Grace, and she has been sharing the story of Ethan. And uh, Grace and her family are gone for this Memorial Day weekend. They gave me this warning a while back, so I said, okay, well, I guess they're stuck with me hearing about our good friend Ethan Goodwin and all of his experiences. Um, let me just get us up to speed a little bit about Ethan. He, uh, he's a guy, 21 years old, and um, he was a counselor at Crosswinds Adventure Camp. And his fiance and he were serving at this camp over the summer. And uh, it's a camp for troubled teenagers. And uh, Carly, his fiance, and he had an uh, opportunity to uh, go a few days get away and, and with their friends Sam and Josh they decided to go on a canoe trip. And while they were on a canoe trip uh, they didn't realize it when they were going but what ended up happening was quite tragic. Uh, the canoe tipped and Ethan uh, drowned. And it was tragic uh, especially for those who were on earth but uh, that's where it got interesting for us because then we saw that Ethan's angel whose name is Kalita, actually brought him to heaven. And we've been following the events that Ethan has experienced in heaven. Like, um, like while in heaven, Ethan could actually see what was going on on the earth. He wanted to see what happened with Carly and his friends, and so he was able to see what was happening on earth. And while seeing what's happening on earth, Ethan, with his heavenly eyes, um, of course he could see angels, he could actually see demons. He could see how spiritual warfare actually happens on the earth. Um, Ethan, even though he was up in heaven, went through an incredible event that uh, every Christian is going to go through. It's called the rapture, where the church is caught up in the air, and we meet our loved ones in the air, those who have gone before us into heaven. Well, Ethan had gone before. Uh, his dad was up in heaven at the time with him, but he had gone before his mom and his, his friends, and uh, as he's up in heaven and the rapture is happening and he's a part of it, we saw that Ethan changed. He transformed in an amazing way and, uh, and saw that his mom came to heaven and his, like I say, his friends came to heaven. And someone in particular came to heaven that he wasn't expecting to be there. A young guy who, when he was at Crosswinds and Winds Adventure Camp, uh, who he, he was worried about him. His name was Dejarius, Dejarius Robinson, a young African-American kid. And uh, lo and behold, somewhere along the line, after Ethan had died, Jarius put his faith in Jesus, and he met him uh, in the rapture. You remember this part of the story? 
And, uh, and so here they're up in heaven. Um, Ethan and, and uh, Dejarius and his friends, Carly and Sam and Josh and his parents and everything. And they, they did another event up in heaven, which is called the Judgment Seat of Christ, where every single Christian will stand before the Lord and give an account of our lives. And the Lord is going to use that opportunity to, um, to really set us on a course for our eternal service to him through rewards that he gives to us. Uh, last week, Kyle helped us understand what worship is going to be like in heaven. And this morning, we're going to cover another event that's going to happen in heaven. Now, this event, maybe you've never heard about. Maybe you've only heard hints about it. Maybe you've only uh, thought about it in, you know, sort of in distant terms. But this is going to be a celebration that's going to happen in heaven. And this celebration is normally called the wedding celebration or the wedding feast, or as I have in your outline in your bulletins, the title of the message, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And this event uh, is coming. And I just want to identify a reality as we've been going through this heaven series. The reality is some of these things that I'm sharing with you, I know some of you have never heard before. Some of these events that are going to happen in heaven, you find yourselves maybe saying, boy, I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm not quite sure about this. Uh, has he really got this straight? Is that really what the Bible says? Um, some of you might be thinking, you know, some of the things that he's sharing are a bit of a hard pill to swallow. And this event, the marriage supper of the Lamb, just might be one of those pills for you. It just might be one of those things where you go, really? Is that really what's going to happen in heaven? And so what we've been doing in this whole series, and I want to continue it this morning, is I've been encouraging you to text questions to me as I'm preaching. So we have a phone number up here on the screen. It's a real easy number to, to memorize or know. 923-20-121. 923-20-121. You can text your questions as I'm talking. So as I'm going along here... And, you know, you're just thinking about, well, what about this or what about that? Or this makes, you know, help, help me clarify this or clarify that or whatever. Whatever comes to your mind, you feel free to get out your phones even now and uh, text as I'm preaching. Uh, just text those things that come to your mind. And at the end of the service today, uh, if we have time, whatever time we have left over, uh, I will answer as many of those questions as I can to the best of my ability. Of course, I don't know what you're going to be asking, so... I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage, but I'll do my best to try and, you know, log back into my brain uh, those things that I've learned along the way to help us out. And any that I don't get to, then this week I'll uh, do a video post on our Facebook page and try to answer all your questions. So don't hesitate. Get those phones out. Here's the bottom line. The Marriage Supper of the Lamb. It is a celebration that God wants every single one of us to be at. It's a celebration in heaven that God wants you and he wants me to be there. However, there are two requirements that are needed in order to be there. The first requirement Jesus spoke about in John chapter 3. Uh, he said that unless you are born again, you will not even see the kingdom of heaven. So the first requirement is to be born again. The first requirement is that you put your faith in Jesus that he died on the cross to pay for your sins. And he rose from the grave to give you eternal life. And if you put your faith in Jesus, 
then he gives his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And when the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we're born again. We're born of the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's the first requirement. The second requirement to be at this marriage supper of the Lamb, to be at this celebration in heaven, is we have to take him up on his offer when he gives the invitation. He gives this invitation for us to be there, and the question is, are we going to take the invitation or are we not? And that's what I want to dig into today as we open up the scriptures together. So first of all, we need to realize this is a celebration. And the, the first thing in your outline that I have is that it's a celebration convocation. <coughs> Excuse me, that word convocation may not be a word that you use very often, except around this time of year. There's a ton of convocations going on right now, like the graduation convocations. You know, there's graduations happening in colleges and in high schools. There's coming up, uh, Lincoln High School's coming up in just a, a few days, a couple of weeks. And, uh, and these graduation convocations is where we gather together for a very important meeting. We gather together for a very important celebration. Now what's going to happen in heaven is people are going to be up in heaven. We're going to be doing our thing. We're going to be enjoying heaven. And then all of a sudden, there's going to be this call. Hey, the convocation's happening. This meeting is happening. This celebration is happening. And we've got to get there. You, you and I, we've got to get to the celebration. Now, uh, the most clear place in the Bible that speaks about this marriage feast, this marriage celebration, is in Revelation 19. So if you have your Bibles handy, you can go to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and go toward the end of the book of Revelation, Revelation 19. We're just going to cover verses nine, uh, 5 through 9. And if you don't have a Bible handy, as is my custom, I will have the scriptures up here for us to follow along. So if you have a Bible, you may follow along or you'll see it up here on the screen. Go with me to Revelation chapter 19, beginning at verse 5. It says this, And a voice came from the throne. So this is in heaven. A voice came from the throne saying, give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Give praise to our God. This is a call that goes out in heaven. Now, I can only imagine how this all begins. Like Ethan, you know, he's up there, and uh, he's just experiencing a ton of great things going on in heaven. Um, he, you know, his good friends on the earth are his great friends in heaven, that, um, you know, they're just enjoying the things of heaven. It's just a, a glorious place to be. Um, he's meeting new friends in heaven. He's meeting angels in heaven. Of course, he's got his angel, Kalita, that's a part of his, his bonding with him and being his partner for all of eternity. Uh, Dejarius Robinson, the young African-American guy, is up there. And if you were with us with the judgment seat of Christ, you found out that, that Ethan was called to be a, a, a soldier for the Lord. And uh, Dejarius was there at the judgment seat of Christ with him. He's called a partner with Ethan. And so they are put under the leadership of a man named Ira. Ira the Tekoite. And they are to be training for these wars that are coming up in the future to be a part of the Lord's army. And as they're there, as they're training, this call from the throne in the center of heaven goes out. I picture Michael the archangel calling out and saying those words, Give praise to our God, you bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. And everyone then in unison just stops what they're doing, 
stops the training, and knows this is it. This is a celebration. We've got to get there. And so Ethan goes to his home, first of all. He's got to change. He's got to get ready for this marriage celebration. Just like if you were going to a wedding, you're like, okay, well, i got to change. You know, i got to get kind of cleaned up for this. Ethan goes to his house. Dejarius goes to his house. And yet the garments that he puts on are these garments that God gave him, that the Lord gave him, that Jesus gave him at the judgment seat. And so he puts these garments on. And then it says in verse 6, Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. I I just picture this excitement that's going to happen in heaven. I mean, this, this, this thing where Ethan comes out of his house, he's all set, he's all ready, he sees Dejarius, he's all dressed up for the occasion, his other friends are too, and like the, the streets are just full of people and they're moving toward the center of heaven where this great banquet is going to take place. I mean, angels are like flying people there. You know, people are like really excited and this generates so much excitement, so much happiness, so much joy, so much anticipation that it's just like this crowd is like building and they're worshiping the Lord and it's like this loud, thunderous calling, Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty, He reigns. And they're heading off to this great celebration time. You know, Jesus spoke of this celebration. I I think at least four different occasions. He spoke about it in Matthew chapter 8. He spoke about it again in Matthew chapter 22. It's recorded of him speaking of it in Luke chapter 13, and then again in Luke chapter 14. And as Jesus was talking about this great celebration, he says something interesting in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11. If you go back with me to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11, he says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. There's going to be this great celebration, and we're going to be reclining at the table with some of the greats of the faith. You know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, when John said it in Matthew, uh, in Revelation 19, he said this is for the great and the small. It's like these greats of of the faith with, you know, us, common folk. Like, we're going to be there together to celebrate this incredible event that's going to take place. God wants us all to be a part of it, you and I. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants me to be a part of it. The question is, we have a choice to make. Do we want to be a part of it? Do we want to be at this marriage supper of the Lamb? Do we want to be at this great celebration that's coming in heaven? Well, here's how we get ready for it. Here's how we make sure that we're going to be there. We've got some preparing to do on this side of heaven. We've got some some work to do on this side of heaven. And ultimately, it will come, as I have in your outline, as the preparation culmination. We prepare now, but there's going to be this culmination, this this end event that says, okay, all that you've invested into this, now it's all going to come to fruition. It's all going to happen right here at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Look at verse 7 of Revelation 19. Revelation 19 and verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. (laughs) This has come. This event has come in heaven. And I want to point out two things. Notice who gets the glory here. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him. 
It's the glory of Jesus that, is, that, that we're going to be doing up there in heaven. We're going to glorify Him. Why? We're going to glorify Him because the bride has made herself ready. We, the church, Christians, are the bride of Christ. We are, you and I. And we are called to make ourselves ready for this marriage celebration. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, this summer, my daughter is getting married. It's going to be a blast. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of preparation. I don't know if you've ever had someone get married or been involved in a marriage, but I'm telling you what, there's a lot of preparation to get ready for this incredible day that's coming. And likewise, there's a lot of making ourselves ready for that coming day where there's a marriage celebration in heaven. And the preparation for this begins and ends with Jesus. It begins and ends with our relationship with Jesus. The Apostle Paul actually used the bride as a metaphor for the church in Ephesians chapter 5. And I think it's quite important if we go there to Ephesians chapter 5 and just see what, what Paul writes about the church and how we are to be prepared for this great wedding that's coming. He writes this, he says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Just as Christ also loved the church, you and I, and he gave himself up for us, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Notice who's doing all the work here. Jesus is the one who sanctifies us. Jesus is the one who sets us apart for his holy purposes. Jesus is the one who cleanses us, who helps us to grow in holiness, helps us to mature in our relationship with him. Because he wants to present us to himself on that glorious ceremony that's coming in heaven, that marriage supper of the Lamb, where we will be presented uh, holy and blameless without spot or wrinkle. Now, I want to highlight something here in verse 27. I mean, in verse 26. It says, Having cleansed her by the washing of the water of water with the word. See that word, word there? Now, you might think that that's speaking of the Bible, that we cleanse by the flushing us, uh, flooding over us, washing over us, the word of God, the Bible. The word of God, when it's speaking of the Bible, it's the Greek word logos. But that's not the Greek word here. The Greek word here is rhema. The, the translators actually made a small w for, for a reason. The word rhema in the Greek language is the spoken word. The words that come out of our mouth. The words that we say with one another. You realize the Lord speaks to us through one another. That we can actually influence one another in a way that we can grow in holiness. That means that our conversations with one another matter. How we speak 
to each other matters? Do we speak with grace and truth? Do we speak words that wash, that cleanse, that purify? When we talk with each other, are we edifying? Are we encouraging? Are we spurring each other on toward love and good deeds? Are we keeping a consistent diet of the Bible because when it flows in, it will then flow out? When we interact with each other, God is actively wanting to work through us to prepare us for that wonderful day that's coming. And we'll stand in that large banquet hall with so many of our friends and relatives and the small and the great, and we'll celebrate this wedding with the Lord. We all want to be presented before the Lord, Jesus, without any spot or wrinkle, don't we? We want us to be presented before Him in all of our glory as His church. And so we have to get ready for it. We have to be dressed for it, shall we say. You know, on this wedding that's coming up with Allison, my daughter, <clears throat> she's going to be dressed for it in a real special outfit. <laughs> it's called a, a wedding dress. It's a dress that's only worn for that one occasion. And uh, her fiancé hasn't seen it yet. Of course, he's not going to see it until the day, the moment. But those of us who have seen it think, man, what a, what a beautiful garment. What a beautiful dress that you're wearing. Look at back in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 8. Look at the beautiful garments that we're going to be wearing there at this wedding feast. Verse 8 of Revelation 19. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. See what this fine linen is made from or somehow inspired by? The righteous acts of the saints. You've got to have the fine linen on in order to be at the wedding celebration. Another place that Jesus spoke of this wedding celebration is in Matthew chapter 22. Excuse me, in Matthew chapter 22. And in Matthew chapter 22, he, uh, he, he says something interesting. It's a, it's a parable. He's, he's telling a story, but I think he is specifically talking about this marriage celebration. And if you jump down to verse 11, notice what it says in this story. Notice what Jesus says. He says, but when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. He didn't have the fine linens on. He didn't have the wedding garments on. And he said to them, said to him, friend, which by the way, he doesn't call him an enemy. He calls him someone who is a friend. And yet, how did you come in here without the wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. And if you read on, you see that his... The king's servants cast him out. You're not allowed in here without the wedding garments. You know, as Ethan and his friends were making their way to the banquet hall, they were all dressed in their wedding garments. And uh, as they got to the doors, they saw the guardian angels at the doors 
letting people in who were dressed for it, but there were some people that were trying to get into the, the wedding celebration, and they didn't have their wedding garments on. They didn't have any special garments on. And the angels were saying, uh, I'm sorry, but unless you're dressed for this wedding celebration, you're not allowed in. And they were being turned away. Ethan and his friends were, made their way in. They heard, they heard one of the angels say to somebody who they were casting out away from the celebration. And he said, this, is, this wedding is only for those. This celebration is only for those who had committed themselves to the things that mattered to the Lord while they were on earth. This wedding is only for those who were committed to my, the Lord's great commission. That they were going into the world. They were sharing the gospel with the lost. They were the ones that were investing in making disciples of all nations. They, these, these people who have been committed, faithful followers, companions with Christ on earth, they're the ones that get to come into the wedding ceremony. But those who are not, even though they're in heaven, are not allowed to this celebration. Ethan found this to be interesting, a bit maybe confusing to him. And I just want to stop a minute and think about it. Think about it. People who are in heaven, children of God, saved by the blood of Jesus, some of them won't be at this celebration. Now you might think to yourself, wait a minute, Jeremy, hold on. This is heaven we're talking about. Wait, they're turned away from some sort of joy-filling experience in heaven? What are you talking about, Jeremy? Some of you might be thinking, i got to ask a question right now. That just doesn't make sense to me. Help me understand how everything that's supposed to be so good and so right in heaven doesn't feel so good and so right in heaven because some people are turned away from this wedding feast. Go ahead, ask the question. We'll answer it later. Actually, I'll answer it right now. To be in heaven with the Lord, to be with the Lord forever, is a free gift. It's something that's offered by grace, and you receive it by faith. But this wedding ceremony is different. The ones who are there are the ones that are dressed in fine linen. The ones who are there are the ones who had committed themselves to the righteous acts that God has called them to. Who have, been, who have been living out God's calling on their lives. There are so many people that I think have trusted Jesus as their Savior, but they're not committed to following after Him. They're not committed to taking up their cross and following Him every day of their lives. They're not committed to it. And when Jesus spoke of this wedding ceremony in Luke chapter 14, He actually highlighted why some people won't be at this wonderful dinner, at this wonderful celebration. Go with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Now let me just set the stage before we go there. Um, <clears throat> Jesus is at a Pharisee's home. Uh, one of the leaders of the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And, uh, and they're reclining at the table. They're having supper with one another. And Jesus starts telling these Pharisees, listen, you've got to be generous to the underprivileged. You're not being generous to the underprivileged, and you must be. Now, one of the guys at the table, I think, was a little bit uncomfortable with Jesus sort of addressing this with him. And so, like we might do, he'll try to change the subject on Jesus. And one of the ways, one of the great ways to change the subject on somebody is to just start talking about things in the future, you know? 
well, what about when we get to heaven? I mean, like, you know, let's just talk about future things because then we don't really have to talk about the here and the now. And I think that's what this guy was doing. So in Luke chapter 15, or Luke chapter 14, I'm sorry, in verse 15, it says this. When one of those who were reclining at the table with Jesus, with him, heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Let's just talk about the kingdom of God. Let's talk about this future thing coming. Let's not talk about how I'm behaving right now and you don't like it. Jesus goes right along with him. Look at verse 16. He said to him, A man was given a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I need to go and out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have married a wife, and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Master, what you have commanded has been done. And still there is room. By the way, still there's room for you. And still there's room for me at this great wedding ceremony. And the master said to the slave, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my dinner. None of those people who keep making excuses are going to be at my wedding ceremony. People have excuses after excuses after excuses as to why they don't commit their lives to the things that matter to the Lord Jesus. Over and over again. Again, salvation is a free gift. But this ceremony will be attended by those who stop making excuses and who commit their lives to Jesus Christ. Who surrender their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who say, okay, I'm not going to follow my own will. I'm not going to do my own thing, Lord. Now I'm going to do it your way. I'm giving my life to you. And I'm going to live for you. It's for that. Those who are devoted followers after him. So the invitation is out there for you and for me. What are we going to do with it? Because there's coming a day when this invitation will have its authentication. Invitation, authentication. We might say, you know, this is so far in the future, I shouldn't even, I, who cares about it, you know? But there's coming a day of reckoning when these invitations will be authenticated. Look at verse 9 back in Revelation 19, verse 9. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. These, by the way, aren't my words. (laughs) This isn't my opinion. This is spoken in clear language for you and I to heed. To hear and to heed. These are the true words of God. The Lord God is giving us an invitation today to come to this celebration. And we might ask ourselves, well, wait a minute. I mean, how do I know that 
I'm worthy to be at this celebration. Maybe you'd ask yourself the question, uh, you know, I, I, maybe in reflection, like I oftentimes do, I might think, and you might think, I mean, if you, if you knew some of my thought life, if you knew the secrets of my heart at times, if you knew how I felt a temptation, even in the last week, if you knew, uh, if you knew how when I'm stressed out, I can have some pretty biting words, mean words. If you knew me, like I know me, you might say, I don't know that I'm going to be there. You and I might echo the words of the Apostle Paul as he recorded it in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. Of all those who sin, <laughs> I'm the foremost of them all. But what did I say before? I said before, this whole celebration and being at it begins and ends with Jesus. So when we're sinning, we draw to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want to confess my sin to you. I confess it, Lord. Cleanse me of this unrighteousness. When we feel weak, Lord Jesus, I need you. Be my strength. When we feel like we've drifted away, Lord Jesus, I'm coming back to you. When we know that we just have this thing in our life that has to be gone. It's like a thorn in our flesh. Lord Jesus, cleanse me of this unrighteousness. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. You know what the book of Hebrews says? It says that Jesus is the author of our faith. Yes. We come into this Christianity because of what Jesus has done for us. But it also says He's the perfecter of our faith. That we say, Lord Jesus, <laughs> grow me, Lord Jesus, grow me. We fall on His mercy. We fall on His grace. And we say, Lord, I just want to draw near to You again. And I'm sorry again, but You are the one that I'm turning to. He's the purifier. He is the bridegroom that makes His bride ready for that glorious day. We'll be there because of one and His name is Jesus. Our sweet, sweet Jesus. Let's draw near to Him right now. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are grateful that You love us. We're grateful that you, You're near to us. We're grateful that we can rely on You. We're grateful that, that You're the one that that will transform us, that will mold us. We come to You, Lord. We say, Lord, we are... We can't save ourselves. We're sheep. We've gone astray. Each and every one of, his, of us has turned to his or her own way. But Lord, we're asking You to call us out of our darkness and bring us into Your light. We're asking that You will break the chains that bind us. We're asking that You will take us out of our fallen state, our 
dead state and give us your life by your spirit. We praise you, Lord, that you are near to us. And we're looking forward to that day, that glorious day called the wedding supper of the Lamb. Lord, we want to be there with you. So shape us to be there with you. Draw us to be there with you. We'll give you all